0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of the Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video for business. Now, today we are celebrating a little bit. It is three years of the Visual Lounge. And now in a lot of things of the world, three years is a long time. And it's not felt like that, though. It's really not felt like a long time. And first, before we get into today's episode, though, I just want to say a couple uh shout outs and thank yous to people who have listened, who have responded, who have written to us. Uh, We are so appreciative for our audience. We we don't exist. This does not happen without you. And so we're so really I'm just so grateful for those who have uh, shared those things with me, who have shared the episodes with others, who have commented on LinkedIn, all those things. We're so grateful that you make this possible. And I'm grateful that we've had so many great guests and so many wonderful people who've responded, who've come on the show to answer my silly questions, my uh, sometimes thoughtful questions, and just so grateful that uh, you, the audience, get to join along. So. Uh, Three years is is accomplishment. It's a milestone, but it's not stopping us. We're going to keep moving forward. And so today, what I thought would be really great is let's go back and review just a few of the things that have been said on the show that are are meaningful or poignant. Uh, By no ways is is this going to encapsulate everything or capture everyone. Uh, But I thought it's, it's always a good chance at an anniversary to just stop and reflect a little bit. So uh, going to tie this together, we're going to look at the video editing process, uh, some great advice. And if you're newer to the show, you might hear some of these episodes and be like, wow, that was really a good thought. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the full episodes. You can find those on the podcast page at the Visual Lounge. Just search for the Visual Lounge or at any podcasting platform or on YouTube as well on the Visual Ch- Lounge channel. Uh, of course, we'd love to have you like and subscribe on any of those because that does help others find us and helps them to learn about hopefully what you're benefiting from as well. So let's go ahead and dive in. We've got a number of clips we're going to play today. We'll go through these. But first, we're going to start with Josh Cavalier. And Josh is going to give us some advice about really our audience. So thinking about pre-production here, he's going to talk about audience. So let's go ahead and listen to that now.
1: The viewer or the audience, uh, completely and fully understanding who's going to be consuming your content and why and getting into their head. And that really should drive everything that you do from a production standpoint. At the end of the day, it's they're the, they're the ones that are gonna be consuming it, not you. So, uh, you know, we, we take so much time in our production values and everything like that. I mean, what environment are they gonna be in? And what frame of mind are they gonna be in when they're watching the video? So uh, for me, the secret sauce is really the, the viewer, understanding the audience.
0: Yeah, I I love that idea that Josh says is that it's really about our audiences. You start thinking about creating videos or images. Think about what does your audience need, what's going to help them, and what's going to make them successful. So let's move on to the next one. This is Owen Hemseth or Owen Video. He's going to talk about a principle called great. So let's go ahead and listen to Owen. We actually teach our clients to uh, two edits. You snip off the beginning and you snip off the end. Mm-hmm. Right. And then everything that happens in the middle is a formula. It's G-R-E-A-T. That's how you do a video. Uh, I, in fact, when I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan with you, I was training on this on and and how to use Camtasia to to edit your video according to G-R-E-A-T. So you you get in front of your camera and you, you're going to talk about, you know, like how to uh, fix a bathroom sink. Um, gee, how am I going to grab attention in this video? Right? R, how do I relate to the viewer in this video? How do I E explain the solution in this video? Right? A, how do I provide some actual proof, a testimonial? And then T, I'm gonna tell them what to do next. What do I what do I say? You can answer all those questions on a quick sheet of paper. Sit in front of your camera and and deliver the video. Thanks, Owen. I I, I love that idea, right? Again, we're talking about our audience, we're talking about what's gonna grab attention. We're thinking about the content of our video in such a way so that as we go to plan it, we're, we're really thinking about the things that are gonna be needed that are gonna make this successful. Because really, while video is a powerful tool, if it's not helping you to meet your needs, what's the point of making the video? I mean, it's the same with an ebook or uh, a course or a module or whatever it is that you're creating. You really want it to be able to accomplish whatever you set out to do. And, and this this method, great. It was again. Grab attention. Grab attention. Relate to them. Explain what you're talking about. Provide some proof, and then give them something to do next. I think it's just a, a great model for that. So let's move on. Brian Fanso is going to give us some next ideas about you know being you and figuring out what works for you. So let's go ahead and listen to Brian.
2: So for me, my rule is this: for every video, I do a rule of five. I put five things that I want to make sure. Well, three things that I want to make sure the audience take away. One that is a story that I think is relevant and one that is usually a piece of self-deprecating humor or something that I'm going to make fun of. And I put those five in every video, a three-minute video, 30-minute video. I have five things that I do for every video. And if you give me this, I can make sure I cover all of the things. I can mention the brands. I can talk about the sponsors. But if you give me a script or you make me retake it a whole bunch of times, I lose what makes me good on video. And I think for so many people, that is such the case where – if, if you don't, if you, if you can't figure out what makes you good on video, you have to keep trying, but then once you figure it out, you kind of have to be like the, the owner of that. And I'm guilty many of times for giving in and trying to create video other people's way, because they're like, Brian, you, you're you so good on video. This will be easy. And the, the end product isn't good.
0: So. Yeah, so, so Brian's point here is that he is not one to use a script. He has a formula that he uses. He writes down a few things and that allows him to talk about it. Now, the, the question is, is do you need a script? The question, that's a great question. And I think only you can answer that. I think for a lot of us, yes, we need scripts. Some of us are able to go off the cuff. Some of us are going to need an outline. We're going to need something. But figuring out what works for you is what is important here. Now, in many cases, you might be working with others and you might really have to change what works for you because that's not what works for them. So maybe you're working with a subject matter expert or someone else, and you're going to have to kind of meet them where they are and not just do what you do. So but I but I love this idea that Brian's saying, he's like, get the keys essentials down and then talk to those, but that might be a different format than he says. But I think what it does for me is it opens up my mind about the different approaches we might take to making video. So let's keep moving here. Now we're gonna shift gears kind of a, a little bit where Brian was kind of talking about almost like this informal video. Jonathan Halls is gonna share with us some ideas around instructional video that I think are a little bit more structured, but as valuable, especially when it comes to learning content. If we're actually
2: doing a quick how-to video, it's a couple of minutes, um, it, it can work just to hit roll, roll the record and just show people. But when it comes to complex topics, it's really important to structure the content in a way that is educational, following instructional design principles. So what I would tend to do is always start with, a, um, with an overview explain each step and then we go into detail about each step and then we summarize it. And that's not a whole lot different to making TV.
0: Yeah. So so Jonathan's approach here is obviously a lot more structured, right? He, he gives this formula, but what he says at the end, I think if, if he caught it, it was it's not unlike TV, right? Good instructional videos, good videos often have a structure that they follow. You'll notice in television that there are formulas and formats, whether it's a sitcom, whether it's a drama, and we can use that. We can learn from that. But more importantly, what we can find is what formula works for us and our audience, applying the things that like Josh talked about and, and Owen talked about, even what Brian talked about. And that way, when we go to make our second, third, fifth, 10th, 100th video, we're drawing on those principles to allow us to make something faster. We're using it to make something stronger, more instructional, that's gonna be achieve its objectives uh, with more certainty. And so I think the idea is, again, build in some of that structure, understand that structure where it works. And if you don't work, you gotta, you gotta do some testing. You gotta try it out. Okay, so let's now talk about one of the things I think is an important principle. Is uh, one of the things that's important in learning, but it could be for customer education, could be for marketing, could be for whatever. Is the use of story. And one of the masters of using story to explain things is Lee Lafever. So let's go ahead and listen to Lee. I think that storytelling
3: um, sometimes has a little bit of, of, of baggage. Uh, I think that when people hear a story, they think of a hero's journey and you know this fully developed idea um, of someone going through a transition. And I do think the idea of transition um is really important. But I I think our approach to storytelling is much simpler. I think that for us, the moment a human is in is in a situation, it becomes a story. You're following this human's change. And for us, the really basic Uh, structure is basically, meet Bob. Bob has a problem. Bob feels bad. Oh, look, Bob found a solution. Bob feels great. Don't you want to feel like Bob? Um, So that's really the, the structure of it all is just showing a person who is trying to solve a problem, discovering what the solution to that problem is.
0: So I often think about story in a way that is very complex, and I don't know why I get caught up in it, but I love what Lee is saying here, is that story is very simple. You know, he, he laid it out with this story of Bob. You know, here's Bob, Bob has a problem, Bob doesn't feel good, Bob finds a solution, Bob feels better. And I think our story, using and incorporating story could be very simple and could be very instructive in allowing our videos to kind of cascade through the message that we need to give without it just having to be a talking head, me talking to you, blah, 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 right? Like, use the story, use character. Now, Lee, if you don't know Lee's work with Common Craft, it's, it's awesome. He doesn't actually do on-camera work. He actually uses these cutouts and moves them around on the screen so he can tell his story in a very engaging way that's uh, very approachable for people. He, uh, one of his famous videos is, you know, it was explaining Twitter. He did some other ones that were just fantastic as well. Um, long, though, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I think who knows where Twitter's at now. Uh, but the thing is, um, I think just grasping onto story and using story to help also lay, lay into what Jonathan Halls was saying is that like we have these formulas, we have these things, these approaches. We might want to structure certain piece of it, pieces of it, but what is the story that goes along? So, With that said, now let's move to a little bit more uh, as we start to think about like actually producing video. Let's get some great advice about if you're going to be on camera, how to make that look as good as possible. Diana Howells, she provides this great acronym, Bleach. So let's go ahead and hear about that now.
4: I have a mnemonic to help people remember what are the core important things that I need to think about when I am virtually presenting or in a virtual meeting or leading a session or teaching a virtual training. So uh, my phrase is clean up your on-camera image with bleach. And bleach is the acronym. So B-L-E-A-C-H. B stands for background, L stands for lighting, E is expressions, gestures, body movement, facial expression. A is the angle. C is clothing, and it also kind of ties into colors we wear on camera. And then H is headroom, which also ties into framing yourself. So that's kind of a a quick and easy way to remember the mnemonic of the things that are most important to correct and work on to improve your on-camera image.
0: So I love that. I love the acronym because it's so simple. So to clean up your camera, you want to think about your background. What's behind you? Is there something you don't want? Do you want to think about your expressions? Am I smiling? Do I look good? Or am I, you know, have a, a face that's not ready, quite ready for its prime time moment. Uh, your angle—is it shooting up your nose? Is it shooting down? Is it you know, not making you look good? What clothing are you wearing? Does it fit well? Does it uh, have good color? Is it going to stand out, or is it going to look somehow weird? Um, and then, of course, uh, we want the headroom—we want space so that we're not getting stuff out of the the range of the camera, so it's not cutting off the top of her head or cutting us weirdly, so it looks like. Or missing a limb or something like that, so uh, love what she has to say there because it's so it's such a simple thing to remember. You can remember what it stands for, but bleach is awesome. So, clean up your space with bleach. Next is uh, just a, it's a clip that I it's actually one as from me. I i know maybe I shouldn't put myself in this, but I thought it was just really valuable advice that I often find myself reiterating that if you're going to start making video, it doesn't matter necessarily what equipment you have but it matters what you do with the equipment that you do have. So let's go ahead and listen to that. It's exciting to make the videos. It's exciting to do something. But the thing is, you have to take time to learn what your equipment can do. And that could be lots of different things. That might not just be a camera. That could be your microphone. So if you've got like a blue Yeti, like I've got in the background here, we see oftentimes people want to talk into it the wrong way they think it's a top-down microphone so if this water bottle was a microphone they want to talk into it like this but that's not the way the microphone works so whatever equipment you have you want to make sure you're doing that you want to make sure that you're understanding you know the the ins and outs now you don't have to be a master necessarily but by understanding your equipment you're going to have less problems in the long run. As you just heard, you wanna make sure you understand your equipment. Doesn't matter, really, doesn't matter what you're using, whatever you're using, use it well, learn what it can do. Even if you don't use all the features, learn how to use some of them and most of them so that you can get the most out of what you have. It doesn't have to be an expensive thing. It doesn't have to be a $1,000 microphone or camera. If you have an iPhone, or which is, I guess is a $1,000 camera, or you have an Android phone, or you have a, a cheap just point and shoot camera, learn what it can do push it, try it, make sure you understand so that you're not struggling to get good outcomes. Now, with that said, I think when we're on camera, we're doing this work, we're making videos, I think one of the real secrets here is learning to be critical of ourselves and the work that we're doing. And so let's listen to Peter Hopwood and what he has to say about being critical. Just by looking at yourself, being aware,
1: critique, openly critiquing yourself, which. For many of us, it's difficult because m- most of us probably never heard ourselves, heard ourselves before, recorded ourselves. But doing it will actually really, and quite quickly, help you to to probably do two things. Number one, you'll realize you're not as bad as you think. Okay. And number two, you'll start to see things that actually, you know, I I could have done that better. Or maybe, what you know, why was I moving so much? Or maybe I wasn't moving it enough. Maybe I didn't have enough gestures. Or maybe my background was, it just seems like there's something, something not right, or something that is not helping the communication, not helping to
0: build up trust, or not even maybe not even helping the conversations. So I love what Peter says in combination with Diane's bleach, and then the idea of learning your equipment, and really taking a holistic look at everything that you're doing around you, both Behind the camera, in front of the camera, and making sure that it's working. And it goes back to things that were said earlier, right? Like it's gotta be able to work for your audience. Josh said that at the very beginning of this, that y- you know it's gotta work for our audience. And if it's not working for you and it's not working for them, then the outcome isn't going to be as good as you hope. And so just be really mindful of that. So next up, we're gonna have a shift of gear a little bit, we're gonna talk about engagement. Elizabeth Pierce who not related to me, but she's a great friend, uh, talks about using video as a way to engage your audience. So what we've been building up is like, we think about our audience needs, we think about how do we help them, we think about what we're doing to make that possible, and then how video as a whole can really be engaging. So let's go ahead and listen to Elizabeth.
2: Video
4: is super awesome to use just as, a, as an engagement tool and as a, as a space to really bring people into the story of what you're trying to tell them in terms of training. I've always said like, if you can make a training, if you can create a relationship that's personal in the training and then create that business connection, um, then they're more likely to remain remember it and actually do it when they actually um, have to use that training um, in a live environment.
0: So I love what Elizabeth is saying here, right? The idea is that we're trying to make these connections and all these things have been leading up to connection. So video is powerful because you can look at somebody and you can see their eyes, you can see the, the, you can feel the personality coming through. I hope you, I hope if you watch this on YouTube, you see that and feel that for me, if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you hear it in the tone of my voice, but what we're trying to do is make connection. And I love that all the things that we've talked about that have been said on the visual on so many of them, not just in these clips, but in episodes we talk about this. It's about making a human connection in a way that probably other ways don't necessarily do as well, or they do it differently. And this is just a great way. So I love what Elizabeth is saying here. That allows us to continue forward uh in this in this opportunity. So uh let's let's keep moving here. We're gonna talk a little bit about some of the things that we need now. As we think about where we've talked about the kind of principles to get us started. So in this next clip, we're gonna we're going to talk about getting faster. How do we actually start doing this so that it can be a worthwhile endeavor that's not just eating away at our time? So I'm going to play a clip from me and following following that immediately, I'm going to play a clip from Jane Davids who emphasizes kind of the way to do that a little bit. So here's my clip and the one from Jane Davids. If you're brand new to this process, it's going to take you longer. If you've been editing long, as Troy Stein, who was the second answer there, who is our VP of customer success, Make some wicked awesome videos, he's gonna go faster. Jason Vlad is gonna go faster. Andy Owen, our video productions person, is going to go faster. Matt Pierce, gonna, I'm kinda slow, honestly. <laughs> like, I don't want to fool you guys. I don't want you to think like, oh, Matt doesn't know what he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about, but I am not a fast video editor. I'm still learning how to get faster. And oftentimes I trade speed f- and e- efficiency, I guess you might say, for, for clarity. So you're gonna make these trade-offs and you're gonna be doing these things. You're gonna be like, man, how could I get this better? And I think what you need to do is just kind of figure out for you what works well.
4: Learning by doing, improving by doing. Um, and, you know, I make videos, I watch videos, but until I actually put that into practice, I need to experiment, I need to be doing it. Um, and that's what I've consciously been trying to do. So, whilst I teach people how to do it, um, I think where I've, I've learned more is actually making those videos myself. Um, and then I'll, I'll cover things that work or maybe different workarounds, and then I can share that. Um, but the TechSmith certification is brilliant. Um, if you've not done that, then I would encourage anyone trying to learn how to do that.
0: So a couple things here. One, I think what Jane says is you've got to do it. You've got to put in the repetition. You've got to put in the time. And as I said, I I think there's something about trading, you know, efficiency for clarity. However, I think with repetition, with deliberate practice, learning the things that are going to help you to get faster, you can become a faster video editor so that when you're going to tell the stories, you're going to connect with your audience, that this comes more naturally. Things like learning hotkeys, learning where these different of tools are within your program help but also learning those structures we heard about using structures kind of from jonathan halls right like these repeated structures are going to allow you to not have to rethink every single thing and you're going to learn how to do those and apply those and those effects and kind of uh, cutting techniques that you might want to do more efficiently and that's going to allow you to get faster and i think if you're serious any degree about making video more than one a year, you're going to want to get faster because as you might know, uh, video takes a little bit of time. But if you can kind of put behind you some of the things that slow it down, I mean, that's it's going to really make it so that it becomes much more efficient, much more effective, and really a better tool in your toolkit. So keep keep those things in mind. Next up, we're gonna hear from Paul Wilson. And Paul is actually gonna take an approach where he says, what we should be doing is getting better quality. And why should we get better quality is because it's gonna be viewed better by the audience. So let's go ahead and listen to that clip.
5: I built a slide that looked like it was ready to be published rather than just, you know, using uh, rectangles and triangles and circles, you know, which is what I could have done with that. but. I decided to make it uh, a little bit more real. And obviously, I'm thinking, too, from the perspective of someone who might hire me when they see that not only, you know, you've got a solution to this problem, but you have a solution that looks fantastic as well. I think that's important. Training, so often we hear in training, um, and I've had conversations with many people about this, you know, the appearance of training doesn't matter as long as you get the concepts. I disagree. I think that the appearance of your work is just as important. It contributes to the engagement from your learners. Um, But, you know, there's a professionalism that I think that sometimes the training uh, industry doesn't pay attention to. And I think they should.
0: So I I like this approach, right, because sometimes, uh, particularly in the learning and development industry, we don't put attention to the visuals. But visuals matter, quality matters, right? There's a study that actually talks about this from an audio perspective that says that when audio quality is diminished in this one particular study, that they found that people perceived the person speaking as less intelligent, their research less as valuable or less important. And so I think what Paul is saying, like, hey, we also wanna make it look good. And that's why being fast as we heard it's also important right so we can spend the time on making it look good one of the ways we can look, make it look good is is what we're going to hear next and this is Andrew Debell and let's hear what he has to say one of the pet peeves that i have
1: is you know if you're recording your screen of a, of some type of software typically the the user interface is very very small it's like very very difficult to read and so when you record your screen that way and you create a video it can it can make it very challenging for somebody to actually learn from it because they can't see what each piece of it says. So something really simple that, that we try to do is just zoom in. If it's like a browser based tool, just zoom in on your browser, you know, to 150% or something like that before you even record any of
0: the screen so that all of those buttons and all the text is just a little bit larger and easier to, to see. I appreciate what Andrew's saying here, that one of the important things is zooming in, making it clear for your audience to see, because if they can't see it well, maybe they're not going to stick around. Maybe they're not going to pay attention. So I love this idea of zoom in. But one of the things I'll add to this as kind of a newer and easier way to do this in Camtasia is actually increasing the size of your mouse cursor to increase it so that it's easier to follow and easier to see. It's, it's really a powerful mechanism. Along with zooming in, you can really make some great looking demos, you can make it really powerful looking. So in addition to zooming in, one of the other things, and this is another quote for me, another clip that you can talk, we'll talk about, is just the idea of cutting things out. Sometimes I think we just show too much. So let's hear what I said a while back and we'll reemphasize here in just a second. What we can do is we really think about is, can I lead them to the next thing or do I have to be explicit here? And either way is fine, but I want us to be really hard on saying like, oh gosh, it's, if it's gonna be there, it's earned its place. We've really put it through its paces. And you know, again, this is probably a time issue, right? We don't have a lot of time, we're busy, we've got a lot of meetings, we've got a lot of videos to review, we got a lot of emails to write, whatever it is that you're bogged down with, we don't set enough time aside to really do that editing well. And so I think cut more, just cut more. And with that breathing space, it becomes a lot easier because you can take chunks out like phrases you don't need. You can, you can condense it down. Um, this is where we can start to think about like, uh, you know, even how do we get from point A to point B what's going to be shown there. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things to really just think about is if I don't need it, in the video can I cut it out? Do I lose anything by getting rid of stuff? And we are very precious about what we put in our videos and I would encourage you as a listener of the show is to not be so precious. Cut out the things that you don't need. If it's not working, it's not helpful, it's not relevant, go ahead and remove it. Now the next uh, video clip is gonna be from Emily Weiss from Thinkific and she's gonna talk about the. The engagement factor, using interaction to engage with your audience. Because frankly, if we're getting them all the way through this and they're just sitting there and they're kind of staring off in space, are they really paying attention? Are they feeling connected to the content? So let's hear what she has to say about engagement.
6: The basics behind this are get your student to do something. Don't just be a talking head sitting and da 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 and they just click through and they're like, okay, yeah, I learned. Like, no, they didn't. They need to go do something to reinforce that learning, whether it's like submitting it back to you as an assignment and you grade it for them and send it back. If you're if you're more of like a coach or a consultant, maybe it's a quiz to reinforce the learning and they can't move forward until they get a certain score. So they actually have to go pay attention. Or it's a survey where you're getting more like open-ended answers and asking them to kind of like reflect on their experience so that they can start... Um, reiterating kind of what they're learning. I just think this is so, so important to give your student the chance to go apply what you've taught them. So don't just tell them what to do, give them the opportunity to execute.
0: So I, I love this notion, like give your students something to do, give them a chance to apply. Uh, sometimes you would assume that we'll just assume, oh, well, they're gonna be able to apply and they're gonna think about that already. Well, maybe not. So giving them that prompt is really valuable. In fact, I would prompt you as a listener right now, what's one thing so far that you've heard that you said that's changing or you're going to apply what you do in video? Are you gonna cut things out? Or are you gonna think more about your audience? Or are you gonna use a story? Uh, so take one of the ideas, one principle that's maybe sticking with you today, and I'd encourage you to go and do something with it. Apply it, try it out, or make a commitment to do something. And if you have, a, if you're not in a place where you can, you can write down, if you can write something down, write that down, make that commitment. If you're in a place like you're driving or something, obviously don't, maybe make a, an audio note to remind yourself for later. So really a, a great point there. Now, next up is Kara North and Kara is going to be talking about the value of accessibility. Now I put this in kind of this editing making section because that's where it's really happening. Now you need to plan for accessibility up front. But really the action of putting accessibility into place happens during your video editing, happens during your production, but it's something that you should be always thinking about is how do I make this video more accessible? And that doesn't just mean adding captions for 508 compliance, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean that you are going to, you know, make sure that the colors are are good. You're gonna make sure that things are visible and clear. You know, the zooming in can really help. Readable, I, I, I've noticed, got the glasses on today. Sometimes I'm looking at things lately and it's like, man, that is not as clear as it should be for me. And so you want to do what you can to make it really approachable and accessible for everyone, not just those with with certain needs, but for everyone, even those who you might not be thinking about those typical needs. So let's go ahead and hear what Kara has to say
6: to borrow from the field of dreams. If you build it, they won't necessarily come. All right. So just because you build something and put a lot of effort into it, if it's not um, accessible and by accessible, I mean, you know, they can get to it easily and it doesn't again, add value. It doesn't matter what you build. If the content to me isn't there, doesn't matter how pretty you make it. It's just not going to resonate with people.
0: All right, What great advice, right? It doesn't matter if it's pretty. We've heard we should make it look good, but if it's pretty, but not accessible, that doesn't work, so it needs to be accessible, it needs to look good, we need to function on all of these different levels. Now, I'm gonna take a, oh, we're gonna take a quick counterpoint because Andy Owen, who's a video producer at TechSmith, brought up a really interesting thing. Like, I talk a lot about video, I use a lot of video, but one of the questions that comes up is, should it be a video? Let's go ahead and hear what Andy has to say.
1: Does it need to be a video? Is it is that the right source? Is that the right delivery method for it? Maybe it is, but a lot of times people just think, oh, I, I've got to make a video for this, right? Do you? Maybe it's a PDF. Maybe it's a graphic. Maybe it's, you know, something else. Maybe it's a course. I don't know. Um, and if it is a video that you need to make, uh, who's the audience and what do they care about? Back to what do I care about? Like, do I care to watch this? Does your audience care to watch it? Do you know the demographics of the audience? Is it people who are, you know, 25 and under? Is it people who are 50 and up? Is it somewhere in that mid range? Like all of these things feed into attention span and interests and tone of voice. Um, Know your audience well enough to know what they're interested in.
0: Yeah, so I think it's a good moment just in time to pause and say like, hey, we're talking a lot about video, you're making video, I'm making video, but does it need to be a video? And is it, again, going back to the audience, does it meet the needs? Is a video the right thing for them? But on the counter, kind of again, counterpoint, counterpoint, Edie Clark came and talked about why she thinks video is so great. And it's a time to try to make video. So let's go ahead and listen to what Edie has to say.
2: Anyone that is contemplating utilizing video, don't avoid it. You need to start embracing it as soon as possible because it is the tool that will allow you to get seen by your ideal audience. Whether you are actively posting on social media or not, if you're putting videos on YouTube. They're going to get found, whether it's today, tomorrow, or five years from now, as long as you are creating content that your ideal audience is going to want and need. And you need to trust yourself in the ability to convey your message using video and know that your ideal audience is actually waiting for you
0: and they can't learn from anyone else but you. So I think to Edie's point, she's saying to us that, like, look, video is a great medium to reach out, especially in social media and other places, but really in general. And you don't want to shy away from it. Andy's saying, like, hey, be really thoughtful about do you need a video? But I think there's many of us who would say, like, oh, gosh, it takes so much time. Like, I know it takes time to make video. But Andy's saying don't shy away from it because you can connect in a different way. It is really special that, you know, in terms of being customer facing or outward facing, you can reach a lot of different customers in a lot of different places that you might not reach them if you just put it into text or you don't do anything at all. And so really it is worthwhile to get started. As we are starting to get down to our last couple of clips, these last few are really going to be about the inspiration, about thinking about, hey, let's get moving. So in this clip, Josh Cavalier is back and he's going to talk about why we should be aiming big. So let's go ahead and listen to Josh. Always aim high. In my mind, I'm always thinking infinite
1: time, infinite money. What would be the Best solution for this from a video or instructional standpoint, e-learning, whatever the case may be. What is the optimal solution if I had all the time and all the money? That there is a solution. Now I'm going to go ahead and work that back <laughs> to my reality, and that's what I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and do, and, and that may actually give you more ideas because you're opening up. Uh, To New thoughts and new ways of handling things as opposed to looking at it in a very constrained way because of the resources that you currently have. So I, you know, that would be my um, recommendation is to think big, like, how would I go ahead and produce this? And then, all right, now, realistically, this is
0: how I need to go ahead and, and execute here. So I love that because Josh is telling us think big, what's the biggest thing you could do and then pull that back. We might not be able to do the biggest thing, but again, I, like, I love what he said about opening up new thought. We want to be thinking about what we could be doing, what we could be creating, and then take derivatives of that. He, that's a word that he uses a lot in terms of the work that he has done and think about like, what are the pieces, parts? What would we you know, realistically be able to make? And, and ultimately, I think we'll point to something that could be better than what we could do if we just said, oh, I'm just gonna make a quick video. And quick video, there's nothing wrong with quick videos. But by thinking big for, especially for these high value videos, I think we're gonna see a lot more impact than we would otherwise. All right, moving on from Josh, we're now in with Troy Hunt. And Troy is talking about just doing something that we gotta gotta start. So let's go ahead and listen to Troy.
1: Getting out and doing something. You know know that saying, it's like perfect is the enemy of good or something of that effect. It's like you get too caught up in the weeds. Yeah, you, you, just, you just never get going. So, so get out there and, and do something, create something, put something out. There's lots of stuff I would like to do so much more smoothly. I like the way you do this because I come in and then you come in and then there's graphics and things around it. I'd like to do that one day. Uh, but I don't want not being able to do that yet stop me from actually creating things and right. moving forward. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a, that's a key lesson.
0: As Troy says, we got to start, right? Perfection is the enemy of of good. Perfection is the enemy of done. You know, we hear all this stuff about making it perfect, about making it great, doing these big grand things, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to start because, as we heard from Jane Davids, if we start, then we have an opportunity to get better, and that's going to cascade, right? We're going to continue to progress as long as we're working at it. So I love this idea of just get started, do something, because that is ultimately going to help your customers more than nothing. It's going to help your audience more than nothing if, if you're doing something. Now, this last clip is going to be from Matt Tidwell. And Matt really talks about this idea that we, we need to start. We need to try kind of following up on what Troy said. So let's hear what Matt says. He says it so well. I think
1: that the biggest takeaway for me has been the upside of starting or trying versus the risk of making that shift. Uh, it's it's so encouraging. If anyone is is on the fence or thinking about making that leap, I would just encourage everyone to say, you know, what's the lowest level of effort, lowest cost experiment we can run, and and do that because this is truly a moment in time where you're going to compound interest on this decision. And you're going to reap the rewards, I think, for, for many, many years to come. And so uh, you have you've, you've had the opportunity now, but it's just now becoming so affordable and so accessible to so many people. Um, you, you've got to try. If you haven't tried it yet, just brainstorm on a whiteboard or a notebook and figure out what could this look like.
0: And there we have it. I mean, Matt says it so well, we just have to try. If you're still thinking about making video, haven't made your first video, or you're still in that kind of um, beginning phase, or maybe you're stuck in as an intermediate, kind of like, ah, oh, I can do it, but it's you know, it still takes me a long time. That's okay. But he says talks about that compounding interest, right? Like this is a skill in a set. It's like any skill that if you're using it, you're growing, you're gonna get better, especially as you're trying to learn new things, you're applying new techniques, new hotkeys. But if you're not using it, you're going to, you know, it's going to go away. You're going to lose some of that skill and you want to keep applying it. And I, so I love this idea that, you know, we're here at the Visual Lounge. We're all about getting better every single day. It's something we've said at the end of most every show is, is a, this idea of leveling up. And what I hope that this has been is just a great refresher of all the great content that we have out there and so much more. We barely scratched the surface on what content. This was very video focused. There's great stuff about workplace communication and using images and all that other stuff. And what I really hope the Visual Lounge brings for each one of you in the three years that we've been putting out there publishing and what we hope for, you know, hopefully another three years or more is that you continue to get the sense that you too can be successful at using video and images in your workplace. You can use it to make great instructional content. You can use it to make great uh, customer education. You can use it to improve your meetings and your internal uh, operations and communications. You can use images and videos in so many ways to enhance what you already do, to make what you do better, and to even supplement and to replace some of the things that you're doing because it is such. they're such valuable mediums to be able to see then when you add with video, the ability to hear or to read, I mean, it just is really a powerful thing. And I'm so grateful for, again, for each and every one of you for listening to The Visual Lounge, for taking the time. We love it if you would share the word, help, help us grow, help us find more individuals who could benefit from the guests that we interview, from the information that we're sharing about using in images and videos. And I don't talk about this often, but if you're looking for tools that will allow you to do this well, please check out TechSmith tools. Snagit and Camtasia and Audiate are fantastic. They really are powerful tools to allow you to use images and video in the workplace. And if you have any questions about any of those tools, you can always go to www.techsmith.com to check those out. Well, that's it for this episode. Again, appreciate every single one of you and happy three year anniversary. Hopefully you've been with us if you're new. Go back and listen to some back episodes and look forward to it. We got many great guests already lined up for this this next year and next season of the show. Uh, but as we like to end every show, you know, we're so grateful for each and every one of you that learning is really important and we hope you take a moment or two to level up every single day. Thanks everybody.